Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Julie Keel, and with me today is Mike McPeak. Hello. And Jeff Sire. Hello, everybody. And this week we're going to be covering the 2000 movie Pitch Black. And the quickest, dirtiest synopsis of it is uh, a commercial transport ship and its crew are marooned on a planet full of bloodthirsty creatures that only come out to feast at night. But then they learn that a month-long eclipse is about to occur. Yeah, that's a... You know, IMDb has the worst synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that kind of covers it. <laughs> it does cover it, but it doesn't tell you much. You know, I mean, does it capture it? Yeah. Does it tell you what's going on? No. So, I mean, does it say anything about, like, a, a, a convicted murderer in the midst or a uh, essentially a bounty hunter mercenary or, you know, like, people... A shaman. Yeah. You, you know, and... Um, people on a pilgrimage, you know, and like a, a kid who's pretending to be someone they're not. I mean, yeah, no, that that synopsis doesn't tell you a darn thing about the movie. So, you know, like they do. And we seem to keep be keeping up our kind of inadvertent thing where we kind of do two similar movies back to back because I think we did it with, uh, was it Sun uh, Sunshine, Sunshine and, and um, Europa uh, Report? Europa Report, yeah. yeah. And I think we've done it a couple other times. So this one uh, is sort of another space horror, sort of like Event Horizon, but this one was more enjoyable uh, to watch. <laughs> uh, or more interesting. Maybe I should just put it that way. Yeah. I mean, uh, Event Horizon was it had its thing as long as you kind of you know overlook some things. But this one here, um, you know, it, it, I don't know. There was, it was more, I don't know, mysterious. I mean, there's something – or maybe it's the production values that um, – Held my attention a little better. Yeah, it certainly did. I mean, t- to some extent, it was one more, you know, nightmare in space movie, which I've mentioned before. I get rather tired of, but this one was done, I'm done, you know, reasonably well, and it didn't, you know, Event Horizon just, you know, dropped down into the gore and rolled around in it, and just, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Like a pig in slop, uh, pitch black was more on the on the. Um, um, it was not as good as Europa Report, but it did have that that feel of this is just. It's possible. It's it's just a different place yeah. that are essentially beyond our um, experience, and so you know the, the people there were just coping the best that they could. And and you do get a feeling that this is kind of the tip of the iceberg. That you're just seeing a story that's set in a much larger universe. Right. Uh, this like Event Horizon, like didn't seem to have a whole lot of connection to anything else. Like whereas these people come from somewhere, they're going to somewhere. They're really. Uh, there's more to this story than what you're seeing. Like it's it's really there. It's it's a story that's set in a larger world now, and granted, they expanded on that when they they f- had follow up movies. But I think this is this is a kind of a perfect setting to uh, to to launch a franchise from. Like they don't tell you Riddick's, you know, obviously a uh, prisoner, and uh, but they don't tell you much about where he's been, what his upbringing was. You know that he has 
Like they say that he's a fury, but you don't like. Does that mean he's still human? Like it's everything. There's there's kind of a there's a lot of questions, oh, yeah. and they just kind of leave it to you to just kind of wonder. Like the people that are on the pilgrimage, they're uh, Muslims, and they're going they're going to New Mecca, right? Yeah. And but and they, they don't elaborate on a, a, anything about that. They don't explain nope. why Mecca has moved, which I don't. Uh, you know, like Mecca seems to be centered around that big uh, black cube that's in. Mecca. So, if that thing didn't move, I don't know how you could really move Mecca. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but they don't say anything about that. They just say we're going to New Mecca and just leave it at that. So, like, you're really left with, um, uh, like, I really got the feeling that you're part of a much bigger world than you're seeing. Definitely. So. And and the the thing the synopsis didn't tell you is that essentially the spaceship was a cargo was a passenger. Um, ship. It was carrying, I think, 40 people in cryo sleep or some sort of stasis um, when something went wrong. Um, and I have to admit, there's parts of this movie that I just, the details, I, you know, it was just going by and I wasn't, I mean, I was, I was paying attention, but it just, it didn't stick. Um, as far as why things malfunction, somebody shot somebody, I think. Um, and Basically. At one point, they said they they thought that they thought that they'd gone through a, a micrometeor Meteor. storm, um, yeah. but they weren't. They didn't seem that they were a hundred percent sure about that. They it seemed to be like kind of like well, maybe we were shot, but well, yeah, we don't really because know. you know what I one of the scenes I remember that again I don't I don't remember it being very well explained was a a stasis pod inside the ship having what I look what looked to me like bullet holes in it. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought too. But they did say micrometeor shower uh, or something with it. Oh yeah, yeah. because it penetrated the hull and went right through, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Uh, Yeah, one thing this story doesn't you know do a lot of story elaborations. Just like buckle up and hang on, we're going for a ride. That's and that's exactly it. Which which I think is one of the appeals. I think it's one of the reasons the movie works. It doesn't spend a lot of time explaining itself. Um, if no. you'd have, if you'd have gone into a long bunch of techno babble about this that and the other thing, or even to some extent, you could argue there's very little backstory on on these characters. Yeah. There's a couple where you start getting a little bit, but it's more teasers than actual you know explanations. Um, and that's I but, think why. But the story, the way it develops, makes sense. Right. That way, like like they've had a crash, and it's 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 enough to say, okay, we went through a bunch of micrometeors. Uh, we don't need to talk about that because we're focused on survival now. Right. So, like, yeah, yeah, and we yeah, don't need was, to know your past. We need to know what you can yeah. do for us right now. We we can put aside your place in society because right now you have a role to play here. You know. Yeah. So yeah, that, there was very that was, I think that's what made it work was that this movie was very much on the right here, right now. This is the situation. These are the people. The heck with the backstory, but like you say, somehow you did get the feel of there's this larger universe and a bigger story that was going on, you know, that would be really interesting to learn more about, which is why they made a couple sequels, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and they, uh, and they did, again, they didn't give a lot of backstory to the characters, but they still did it in such a way that you kind of, you just hard to connect with certain characters, and when they got off, you know, spoilers here, people. People get off yeah. in this movie here. Yeah, you you do kind of feel, well, crap. That 
kind of sucks. So, I mean, you at least had some sort of like minimal uh, connection, at least to the character. So you didn't care because there's some of these movies that we've watched just like, I just come on and kill him already, you know. Yeah, there was this was uh, somewhere in one of the descriptions of it or whatever. They said something about the uh, this movie was the best example of rooting for the bad guy since Terminator, since Schwarzenegger and Terminator. I'm like, really? But yeah, this was an example of how um, the way things play out. It was almost predictable i mean you if you it's but there's predictable and then there's comfy you know yeah. um you know so you kind of knew probably what was going to happen the badass dude was going to turn around mm-hmm. and be a good guy after all sure fine whatever but you still it was still a good story of that because you know the thing that makes that a good story is you're never quite sure if it really will or when so and and the way they left the story at the end, um, I kind of like, like, he still stays the bad guy. And when he does, you know, like, give in and, oh, I'll help her out, it's almost like, yeah, at the end, it's almost like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, the last time I'll do anything good for anybody. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's interesting, too, I, um, reading some of the notes, they, they were talking about um, originally – um, he was supposed to die. It was supposed to be him that gets killed, not the the female. I can't call it captain. Can we call her captain? She really wasn't the captain, but yeah. she wound up being serving that role. Um, and they just decided that uh, Riddick. Uh, we're talking about the character Riddick here. Um, was a far more interesting character, and that could possibly be up for sequels than you know the the captain, the female captain. So you know, to some extent. I could take umbrage to that, but I have to agree. Um, the the captain, we had no backs. I got, I don't remember any backstory on the captain. No, it's just like, oh crap, the captain said I got to take over. Yeah, uh, she <laughs> just happened to be in the in the wrong chair at the wrong time. Whereas Riddick, you know, you had the the backstory of a murderer, and he was he, you know, the, he shows up in this movie and shackles at the beginning and and all this stuff. So there's obviously a backstory there. Um, and which makes him interesting. I mean, just right. the, the situation and, that he's in, it makes him interesting. And they avoided the uh, the uh, usual uh, idea sometimes of, oh, the bad guy that redeems himself. Well, he does do a couple of good things, but by the end of the movie, he's you know, still not exactly a wholesome uh, person. Um, I won't say he's necessarily a bad guy, but he hasn't become you know the conquering hero. He's going to go out and save the world. So they, they didn't fall into that trap, which... You know, sometimes they do in these movies. Yeah, and the the one thing you know, it's interesting too is is sometimes the bad guy gets wooed over by somebody, and given we had a female, you know, captain to go on there, that you could argue that that was a relationship that was going somewhere. No, not really. No. It wasn't like, you know, bad guy falls in love with good girl and, you know, changes his ways. Not really. Um, so, it you know, it had just a little bit of a different take on some of the old uh, tropes or archetypes that, uh, you know, kind of kept you, you yeah. know, uh, interested. And this is another one of my uh, <laughs> my uh, 
movies that play against my uh, pet peeve of of uh, female characters that hide in the corner and just scream in terror. Like none of the girls in this movie, uh, you know, like are just helpless. No, which I'm I'm very sick of seeing movies <laughs> where the women are completely helpless. <coughs> Yeah, because no. none of the women that I know are completely helpless. So, <clears throat> so I think it's a lot more realistic to have them as uh, active participants in saving themselves rather than being helpless victims. So, and they were all pretty badass. I mean, they all yeah. really. I mean, none of them survived. But uh, oops, spoiler. Um, but they all, <coughs> they all, uh, you know, did themselves proud. I guess you know. Like you say, none of them were just screaming in the corner and, you know, got killed because they froze or gave up or whatever. Yeah, they were all fighting to the end. Okay, tech. Some of the tech yes. in – okay, wait, before we go to tech, let's go to science. Um, this hey. book, this book, this movie is about a planet that get that slips into darkness once every 22 years for a month. Um, it has three suns and some planets, and it goes into a, a, a month-long eclipse. And all I could think about when I saw that was the Isaac Asimov story, Nightfall, which actually was the working title of this movie, Nightfall. And I'm mm. like, man, if you'd have done – first off, that would have been disingenuous to, to call it Nightfall because sci-fi fans who are familiar with the Asimov story would have been – frustrated um, because it's close to that but not quite yeah because in in Asimov's story Nightfall the what kills everybody is other people Um, they burn everything because they need light so it's kind of the opposite of this where the light kills the creatures in Asimov's Nightfall everybody all the people burn everything because they want light so there was enough differences there where that would have been frustrating for, for folks but the parallels there are absolutely, you know, unmistakable. Um, the the whole, you know, shit hits the fan when it goes dark, um, yeah. and you have to just survive until you know daybreak. And in Nightfall, the book Nightfall, the story Nightfall, it's actually just a short story made into a book. Um, it truly is only like one night. I mean, we're talking like twelve hours and. Um, whereas here they're talking a month-long thing, and and given the circumstances that these folks landed on this planet, shall we say, crashed on this planet, um, the idea that they were going to last a month in the darkness was just no. Um, they would have done well to last overnight, but um, to last a month was not going to. I mean, that pretty much was a not going to happen type of thing. But so so what? One of the things they really did. Um, they had a couple of things that I think that were really cool. The, the the mechanical devices they're called Ori's, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, where you have like a, a model of the sun at the center, and then a, like like gears um, to show the revolution of the planets around it. It's it's very steampunk, um, but that's how you track the movement of the planets around the sun, and that's how they figured out that this eclipse was coming. That was really cool, but what also was really cool was the way they depicted the three suns in the sky and then this other planet. It was essentially Saturn with rings coming out, and I love those types of art. I mean, I get that it's pretty much fictional, 
but I love the yeah. idea of a planet, you know, just coming up over the horizon and just looming, like being half of the sky with well, the rings there. If there was something that big in your sky, you'd like, be crashing into it from gravitational Yeah, it pull. would be no good at all. Like, yeah. you, you think about, like, you know, if you stretch out your arm at, you know, full length and put up your thumb, your thumb will cover up the moon. And the moon still has enough effect on the Earth to, to do tides and to do, uh, um, you know, like um, – uh, what do you call it, uh, continental drift and uh, all of these other things. Like the moon has a huge effect on the earth. But uh, to have something, another planet that close to you would not be a, a healthy environment to be no. in, I'm sure. No, you you would think that the planet would be undergoing seismic, you know, upheaval yeah. every time this happened. Especially if you got, to, in order to get to this eclipse, it basically looked like there was like, was it like three or four planets that were lined up between yeah, them and the Yeah, there were several planets involved. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, these are all going to go crashing together. So that was a I, little... I, I really, really liked in the first half of the movie, like before the, before the eclipse... Mm-hmm. I thought it was fantastic how they covered the different stars. Like the one star was like a, a younger star, so everything was was really white and harsh. Mm-hmm. And then when it sent and the other one came up, it's an older one, and everything goes to kind of this amber yellow color. Like that was really really cool. Like mm-hmm. I really liked that. Yeah. Like, I, I love stuff like that where, you know, it, they didn't have to do that. But like, okay, we, you, we're going to, you know, make an attempt to show, you know, sciencey stuff. And like that these stars are like, you know, every star doesn't look just like ours. There's ones that have different, you know, colors of light. And we'll show that. Um, yeah. So I thought that was super cool. Yeah, I think they did a good job with that. As much as, again, the stretch and the limits of believability for a little bit. But it was really yeah, cool. Sure. Yeah. It was really visually fun. <laughs> yeah. I think overall, like, they did a great, uh, a really great job in, you know, touching on different science type stuff, like having the different animals that have evolved to uh, the environment that they're in. And uh, the different stars, like, but at the same time, okay, we're going to touch on these things. We're not going to really stress about being super accurate on anything, but we're going to address and just let you know that we're kind of taking that into account. Right. I love, you know, I thought that they did a really great job with all of that stuff. And I think, you know, sometimes when they do that, it becomes a, un- Disbelief. I mean, they they push it too far. It's like, yeah, that's such bogus BS. You know, you just kind of slide out of it. There were these little visual eye candy things and, you know, other things that you kind of glossed over. But that was it. You just glossed over because they weren't focused on, they weren't crucial to the story. And there was, they just, they were like decorations as opposed to, you know, being part of the the plot line um so yeah i thought it was really cool that way they did have a a bunch of fun science on this one too a bunch of fun tech um the ships themselves were kind of amazing yeah Um, 
there were some issues with that too. <laughs> they uh, they took a ship, uh, a spaceship, through the atmosphere and blew out the uh, windshield, and and the pilot survived, right? Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. And then went nose <laughs> first into a desert and didn't get like buried in the sand. You know, the, the somebody <laughs> sitting in the pilot seat would have died th- three times over on that crash. Um, yeah. But um, then once they got to the um, to the plant, they landed in a desert. Did you take those to be water stills or camelbacks of some sort that they were sucking on? Yeah, I think they were, uh, but they they said that they were were water, but they didn't really do a lot to explain what was happening. Like I don't I don't know if it was drawing water in out of the atmosphere or if they were just like a container with a straw on it or something. Yeah, they look like a high tech camelback of some sort. Yeah. They and and for a while there, I wasn't sure if they were water or oxygen. Um, they, 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 like you say, they just didn't explain it very well, um, so that it, um, <laughs> it, it it wasn't necessarily up for interpretation, but it wasn't real clear exactly mm-hmm. what they were like you were saying. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, we're looking at this stuff here, and well, then they uh, on the planet, didn't they uh, have um, well, water reclaimers basically that were sucking water out of the air? They had to get them up and going to uh, suck the water out. That's true. That they did find yeah. that station with all the solar power fans, windmills, whatever you know, yeah. that were basically, I suppose, uh, drills. You know, <laughs> water pumps. Right. Well, now there was one thing that I don't know if it bugged me or not, but I, I did contemplate it. So you didn't see any other life on this planet except when it went dark and all those things came out. So apparently they must hibernate. And then they made reference later on in the movie that they uh, turned cannibalistic on themselves. Would they not run out of uh, food supply eventually? There was some, you know, that particular <laughs> life form was a little interesting, okay? Yeah. Um, for different, uh, they look like pterodactyls, for lack of a better term. Um, and But later in the movie, they find these glow-in-the-dark slugs in a, ca- in a ca- cave somewhere. And so, apparently these slugs are what grow up to be these pterodactyls. And the slugs are bioluminescent. Um, you know, oh, I, I didn't know that the slugs were necessarily related to the uh, pterodactyls or anything. Really? Uh Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't. Don't remember him saying that. I remember him finding them. Maybe I. Remember, yeah. Maybe I read that somewhere. I thought huh? they were just a different you know, species. Okay. Or like a different animal. Yeah. Well, actually, if okay, if they were different, then that would explain a bunch of things because being bioluminescent around animals that like to like murder everything once it goes pitch black um, and are essentially burned, sunburned, you know, by any sort of light. Yeah, being bioluminescent would be one hell of a survival tool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, when I was watching it, I was thinking of, uh, what is it, the cicadas that uh, just kind of like, just hibernate for years or whatever and then come out, you know, have this really super active period and then they mate and then they you know die and then the uh 
then they just kind of go dormant again, right? right. So uh, now, granted, we just saw like the one night of the first night of this, uh, or you know, first maybe few hours of this month long uh, period, this month long eclipse period, but. Uh, who knows? It could have been something like that, right? That um, these things had just been laying dormant for ages and ages and ages, and then, uh, well, for, for 22 years, and then uh, they'd come out. But they had obviously evolved to deal with the the unique uh, kind of uh, conditions on this planet. Yeah, and, you know, totally going into speculative mode here, um, they... Those pterodactyls, if they if they were like cicadas and laid dormant for 22 years, and they came out for like one month, and already in the first night they're starting to kill each other, you know, get, go cannibalistic. I mm-hmm. mean, the reason you come you go undormant is to reproduce, right? Right. Yeah. But but they also cicadas also eat like a, an enormous amount uh, when they are awake in order to mate and then. Go back into hibernation. See right? that, that's just, but somebody. I mean, when you start turning that cannibalistic on each other, none <laughs> oh, of the yeah, terrible, yeah. none of the pterodact, none of the pterodactyls are going to survive the month. I mean, unless but, they all okay, mated before they could came have, out. It could have also been uh, like a mating competition, right? It could have been. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and for all we know, maybe they'd already mated and the mm. females were already nesting and these were just the males out being, you know, male and um <laughs> you know, killing each other off and, and anything else in their way. So Well, I was just speculating on the food supply cuz oh, you know, we we didn't see the whole planet, so maybe there's places yet where they can go get food. This is true. Um Right. Yeah, but you know, I was just wondering because you know when they crash landed there, you didn't see you know any signs of life, and then they did find those little bioluminous things back there, you know, h- hiding in the rocks. Not like those guys could necessarily get to them, and bioluminous, so it would drive them away. I just didn't see a large food supply, and I wonder how long they could keep that cycle up. And like you say, maybe the they go outside the desert to find things, and they just attack these ding dongs because they're in the middle of the the desert there. And ooh, handy food. We don't have to go out you know beyond our borders to get food yeah and and you're very right there too they they crash landed in a desert we have no idea if the whole planet's a desert we really don't i mean the the small area that they were in i don't know uh, just off the top of my head they probably didn't cover 10 miles on the on the no. planet uh, so i mean theoretically yeah. somebody could crash land in the middle of like the sahara and you know they would have the same experience if you didn't go much beyond your crash site. You, right. If that was the only glimpse you saw of this planet, you might assume that the whole thing is a desert without knowing any, any right. better. Right. And, and not know that you know there are jungles just on the other side of the desert, and these pterodactyls have been, you know, migrating from there for months in preparation for the eclipse. Who knows? So yeah, yeah it didn't. It didn't take me out of the movie. I'm just kind of sitting there going. Okay, you know, I just started contemplating, you know, what's there going to be their, their food supply? Because if you work under the assumption the whole planet is a desert, uh, and they have, you know, in this, they go into, for a month, you think they could do a lot of damage to the uh, life that's there. Because um, it's, yeah it's, yeah, it's dark for a month, and then it's 22 years for everything to bounce back. You know, so like I say, I didn't overthink it too much, but it was something I sat there and contemplated. Yeah, and, and you know... 
we're we're putting probably more thought into this yeah. than the writers did. <laughs> but um, um, I bet I bet they put a lot of thought into it. Like I'll it bet certainly they did strikes too. me as a story that I think a lot of thought did go into. You yeah, know. you know, and I think you're right there because we oftentimes will do that. We'll just overthink stuff and put you know mm. stuff out there that's well, bullshit because that's what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Julie, we're nerds. That's what we do. I know. We're just kind of geek out of this stuff. But writers do too. And yeah, and a good, and that's, to some extent, that's the difference between a good story and a bad story um, is that they have done all that geeking out. Um, They have thought through, like, we don't have much details on this universe, but we know it's there. And actually, you know what this this kind of reminded me of hmm. is the movie Alien. Oh, yeah, very much so. Just like, how uh, you know it does have that scary element, but it's it it feels like you're telling the story that's part of a much bigger world, and there's other things going on, and uh, you know there's a lot more there than 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 you know about. Um, yeah, and it 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 seems like with both of these movies, you're watching a voyage, but you didn't see the start of it, and you're not really seeing where they're going to, but you're just seeing this little chunk in the middle, and. Uh, yeah, and and like it, I think in both of those movies there was an awful lot of thought that went into kind of like the setting have of seen, where these things are set, right? Have you seen the other ones, the Riddick Chronicles and? Yeah, I, I think at one time or another, I think I've seen them all. So. Okay, because I don't know where this goes. I mean, to me, this right. almost feels like kind of like Rogue One in the Star Wars well, universe because it's kind of a self-contained Riddick thing. Is, uh, He's he's part of this race that was like a they're like bred to be warriors and right. I think all of the rest of them are dead. I think he's the only one that's left. Um, I can't remember why or anything, but uh, yeah, uh. he's just kind of the super <laughs> soldier. Like they take him in the first movie, he's a criminal, and I think if you know when they went forward, they said, okay, well he's going to be kind of like the the signature guy. Like you you don't really want to build a movie around the bad guy. So then they they kind of tweaked his character like, well, he's a he's kind of more of a soldier than a criminal sort of thing and he's he's a noble bad guy, right? Okay. I found uh in the trivia here, I found his backstory. So he was a a company ranger in the military where he learned to pilot ships and worked uh in tunnels as a sweeper and was promoted to the uh Strike Force Academy on Sigma 3 moon, but uh, he spoke out against enforcing security on Sigma 3 and that life on Sigma 3 was slavery and enforced security was murdering and torturing. Uh, so he had an ethical problem with it. So I guess they do give him some heroic tendencies. But when you meet him here, all you know is that he's a murderer, he's a bad guy, and for God's sakes, don't let him go. You know, it was the basic philosophy amongst all of them. Right. But there, there's – even watching this, there was – this hint that this was just kind of a side story to the bigger story that was going on, you know, why they were in this spaceship, this, you know, passenger ship from one place to another in the first place. Again, I don't know. I've not seen the other ones. I didn't even, I did not even realize Pitch Black was Riddick um, (laughs) until I got, yeah, yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Um, And I don't know anything about Riddick other than I've heard the name, you know, so. Right. um, Yeah. So, so you and I are in the same boat then, yeah. Because I I've heard of Riddick and like say the, the movie Pitch Black. I'm going. So is this? I had to 
so this was where Riddick basically came from. The character of Riddick yes. came from. Yeah. And yeah. so and so not, then I started piecing it together. And I did read in the trivia somewhere, and like I haven't seen any of the other movies all uh, either. But the the shaman or whatever you want to call that you guy, know. apparently he. Yeah, he apparently accompanies Riddick in uh, at least one or two of the other movies because, yeah, I think like you were saying, Jeff, he considers him uh, some sort of warrior. I don't remember that part exactly, but there seems to be some sort of mystical, spiritual uh, component to him, or at least that's the vibe that I got from reading that short synopsis. Yeah, that was interesting, too. Um, The whole... uh, you talked about a little bit, you know, New Mecca. That that's kind of an odd concept, right there. Um, and the idea that they were on a pilgrimage—no, that's not. That's that's totally uh, fine. But they they also were trying to do their prayers um, from a desert, and of course, you're supposed to pray towards Mecca. And so they're praying towards the suns because. I have no idea where Mecca was. It certainly wasn't on this planet. Um, so, yeah. Did they have anything to tell them which way Mecca was, or how did they how did they pick I the direction? I have no idea. I mean, okay. because they crashed. So I suppose you just picked up because that was the best you could come up with. I mean, which I understand yeah. is probably not acceptable. So, but yeah, like well, I know. Well, my limited. You know, right. knowledge of Islam, but I, I know, you know, people will go to, a, you know, quite a lot of effort to figure out yeah. which way they're supposed to be facing. Yeah, right? you're talking about magnetic uh-huh. declination and all these other things. Yes, sure. there's a specific uh-huh. corner of the room that you are to be looking at and a specific time of day, which cannot be predicted and all of these other things. So the idea that they were trying to 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 bring... Islam to a place called New Mecca and practice it on another planet was kind of a curious to me. Um, right. So, and I would say maybe, you know, as far as uh, which direction to pray, maybe in lieu of knowing for sure which direction, because, you know, if they've been in cryostasis and they don't know where they are for sure, um, maybe then psychologically you would just pray towards the sun because it's biggest powerful it'll remind you of uh you know some a powerful being and just roll with that yeah except the again the little i know about islam if there was a moon they'd be they would be looking at that rather than the sun anyway so i don't know okay. that was interesting sure. right. an interesting thing to try and bring into this but then again you know i think i've mentioned um that the channel we have a channel now here that runs Star Trek. Each of the Star Trek um, series, back to back to back, every night, five hours in a row, six nights a week. <laughs> and um, having been totally like lost my life to this, um, it's amazing how many times religion in space comes up. Um, it's it is kind of a recurring theme because it's it's kind of funny too how. Somehow we we got this dichotomy of religion versus science slash space or whatever, and, and time and time again, it pretty much says no. They are they're not necessarily, you know, opposites of each other or mutually exclusive. They kind of coexist re- regardless of where we are in time or space. So yeah, it's kind of well, interesting I, I- that way. 
Well, I think the more you uh, venture out into space and see, the more you see the vastness and greatness of it all, in my mind, it would kind of humble a person a little bit more and make you stop to consider things just beyond the science realm. Because there's things out there, you know, that science still hasn't quite, you know, explained yet. Uh, and I think that just it, it's a way for a person to sit there and contemplate um contemplate the universe like say just beyond the bounds of science you can say you know um <laughs> two hydrogens and an, an oxygen makes water but you know thinking well, beyond I, I, I would say from my atheist standpoint is sure. that uh, just <laughs> just because you don't know doesn't mean you can fill it with with a with a uh something you've invented <laughs> well i like i like riddick's take on it i mean i think the imam asked him you know do you believe in god and or maybe maybe made the statement you don't believe in god and i think riddick came back and said sure i believe in god and i don't like the mother very well <laughs> um, so that was an interesting perspective that i hadn't heard before um at least not quite that in those types of terms. So. Now, somebody explained to me what it was with Riddick's eyes. I mean, obviously, he could see in the dark, but he had... Because yes. um, they he, were explaining it, and I, again, it, it went by so fast I missed it. He said that when he was in prison, the prison that they put him into was com complete darkness. I don't know if all the time, but for a large percentage of the time. So he traded something Marlboro's, to get his... Yeah, cigarettes or something yeah. had to get these artificial eyes put in so he could see. I don't know if he could see in the complete dark or just very low light, but he has some sort of very good night vision. Yeah, did I, I was reading in the in the trivia too that apparently the very first time they put these things in, and and for those of you who haven't seen the movie, basically it looks like he's got silver, you know, mercury yeah. eyes, mercury corneas. Um, and so um, they said that the first time he, when they were doing the filming, they put these you know contact lenses in. They couldn't get them out. They had to call. Uh, they had to call an ophthalmologist. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't want to hear anymore. They had to call in a specialist who had to be flown in for three hours because they were in like middle of a desert in Australia to pull these dang things out. And then and then read on these things. I think what they call them space. Site or I don't remember they had a name for him became available. You could go out and buy him. You could after the movie came out, you could go down to your local, you know, um, uh, uh, I Mart or whatever, and and buy these Riddick contact lenses that you you know. And I'm like, wait a minute, the ones you can't get out without it bringing in a, a specialist. Well, I, uh, I have a friend whose girlfriend is a, I guess, an optometrist. And, uh, you know, when you go to, like, a comic convention, they always have, you know, a booth there with somebody, you know, selling these contact lenses that have dollar signs and the yeah, cat's cat eyes, eyes and all that. Yeah, she freaks out because I guess technically in Canada you need a, uh, to be a licensed optometrist to sell contact lenses. So those things, in, at least in Canada, they're technically, from what she said, they're technically illegal, but it's one of those things that they just don't really enforce. Because she was, like, after talking to her, I would never in my most heinous nightmare put those things in my eyes. Because she was saying, like, the things that can go wrong. Well, like like with uh, Vin Diesel. And, uh, you know, they can get, I guess, stuck in there. And she was saying her biggest thing was, like, the kind of uh, stuff that isn't made by a reputable company. Like, the kind of... Uh, 
uh, infections you can get right. are just horrendous. Yep. <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah, or scratches, you know, permanent yeah. damage to your cornea. Yeah, I get that. Uh-huh. I suppose the the gray area comes from the fact that they're not like um, trying to change your eyesight. I mean, it's it's like it's like glasses. You can go to any yeah. old uh, drugstore and buy a set of cheaters, but to get a prescription, sure. you need to have a doctor's, you know, doctor's prescription for for you know yeah. corrective lenses. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, that was that was a thing, which was. What, it, somebody explained to me, okay, well, maybe it does make sense, because he was always wearing sunglasses, goggles, basically. And so I yes. guess if he does see better in dark, wearing goggles makes sense. Even There were times when even yeah. in dark places he was wearing them. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the dark didn't make the sunlight certainly made sense because if you've enhanced your eyes for low light, being out in the sunlight could like possibly hurt. Um the dark didn't make sense necessarily. Except it wouldn't hurt either, I suppose. You know, no, really good. I know there was well, one point where he said you would where, figure if they're artificial eyes that they would be able to compensate for brightness as well, right? <sighs> well, Maybe. remember this is a prison. This is a prison job, yeah. uh, you know, not necessarily a medical procedure or you know, a license, whatever, um, an ethical procedure, whatever. So they probably just slap something together. So I wouldn't read a lot into that. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, there's you know I don't know. We still have far-sighted versus near-sighted. So you know you can only do so much in one set of lenses so if you're correcting for dark you might not be able to correct for light it was interesting that um, at one point he said you know everybody else had flashlights or Molotov cocktails or something as far as a light source and he said you know just keep it on my back don't don't shine it yeah. in front of me mm-hmm. so that even like a relatively dim light like that you know a, a, a lighter a flame on a lighter mm-hmm. was enough to bother him yeah, yeah. Like and we were talking about how much thought has gone into the writing, and that was something else. Like they, they were really consistent with how they treated his eyes. Right? If he was in the sunlight, he was always wearing those goggles, or else he he was squinting and had his head down. And uh, you know, as soon as it was dark, he had the goggles up on his forehead, and he was making comments like, "Don't put the lights, you know, in my face." And yeah, they were very consistent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that would make sense. Um, which, it's uh, given the interesting mishmash of humanity that survived the crash. There were 40 people on board, 11 survived. Spoiler, 11 survived the crash. Four survived the the nightfall. Is that right? Sure. That I think so. Four? One, two, uh, yeah, one, two. Riddick, the Riddick. shaman, the girl, and, and who's the fourth one? There was a, the the girl masquerading as a guy, the shaman Riddick, and um, who would have been the fourth one? Maybe it was only three. Was it only three? Yeah, maybe. I thought there was four. I thought there was one other person, but maybe not. Uh, the because gal the gal didn't make it. Died. Yeah, she she right, she bought whatever. it at the end. Up, oh, spoiler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, but you know, you meant. Uh, you mentioned Molotov cocktails. That goes back to your save, uh, favorite saying, kill it, kill it with fire. fire. <laughs> <laughs> Always fire. Yeah, yeah, at some point, yeah, it goes back to fire and, and sticks or something. Yeah, 
And I actually had that thought watching the movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go again. Fire is going to save us. Um, and it, it that that seems to be. I mean, it really is kind of the the uh, the last uh, the tool of last resort, but it's also the tool that will solve all things. Um, you know, burn it because that's that's some of the most frightening things is when um, you know, like you shoot. Uh, a creature of some sort and it just you know doesn't phase them um mm. and you know so our, our last resort is to throw a molotov cocktail on them and you know light them on fire well. or whatever and that of course wipes out everything if we ever run into creatures where we throw them fire at them and they just walk through it you know that's like breaking the rules i mean that's just yeah, I- you can't do that <laughs> or worse yeah. yet they sit there and go yum yum got yeah one. uh <laughs> Or they get more powerful because of flame. I mean, that would just, sure, yeah. that would just, yeah, no. You know, I just got to thinking about, it, but you know, actually, fire was man's. I think, well, maybe beyond tools, uh, man's first technology. Because um, you know, once they got fire, that helped you know mankind you know move forward. Uh, yeah. Light protection, cooking. We had you know, fire long is, before we had wheels. Yeah. Yeah, cooking is probably the number one thing because then you can increase uh, – if you're hunter-gatherers, then all of a sudden you just become way more productive because now you can extract way more calories from uh, any animals that you kill, right? You know, I don't know if uh, – the the, um, the first fires, at least from what I understand, the first fires were basically like lava um, and they – Something or lightning would, strikes. Yeah, or something would catch on fire, and then they would go grab it, and then do everything they could to not let it go out because they didn't know how to start them. They knew how What's to. What's a movie? Uh, Quest for Fire, and they have uh, like they're carrying around a, a coal, right? Uh, and then they would, you know, they have dedicated people to keeping the fire going, and then if they go to move, there's this, you know, this is how we kind of transport the fire from one place to another, because yep. they don't know how to start it themselves. Yep. So. yep, it was a huge thing to not let the fire go out. Absolutely huge. I mean, that would have been a disaster. So I don't know that fires, you know, back in that day, were so much about cooking as they were protection, light, and heat. Um Sure. And, and so, you know, fires for eons were just these tiny little things um, that you just it, it was. It did remind me of some of the, the scenes in this movie where it was just this small little flame against the the darkness, you know, all around. Um, so yeah, that that whole theme of fire. Um, it's a rare sci-fi flick that doesn't <laughs> um, tap into it somewhere along the way. Well, it's it, like I say, in uh, humans' cases, it's almost you know primal. Like I said, it's one of our first things. It's I, I wouldn't say it's in our DNA, but it's, some, it's our fallback. You know, nothing else. If you got fire and you know a few sticks, at least you can you know protect yourself and cook or something like that. You lose fire, you're kind of screwed. You know, yeah. I was I saw an article this week, something about um, sleeping with pets is actually good for your health, and one of the things oh, yeah. that they said was. Uh, is because it provides a sense of security, and I'm like, yeah, and, and so does fire, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. the whole, uh, you know, trying to to uh, 
fend off creatures in the dark like this exactly what this movie is um is well i always think it's interesting like you see how people be just behave around a campfire everybody arranges their chairs so they're sitting around it so they each have equal space it's uh, a, a an automatically social thing people get sleepy like it's yeah like it, it uh it interacts with us on a very primal level. <laughs> it, it really does. Oh, yeah. And matter of fact, I saw something too about um, a lot of people struggle to sleep. You know, all the guidelines say, you know, sleep eight hours. And a lot of people really struggle to do that because they wind up waking up in the middle of the night. Um, and so they wind up having uh, like a block of sleep. And then they wake up in another block of sleep. And they've done some research that shows that probably, too, is tied to the tradition yeah. of keeping the fire. The fire fire, going, fire yeah. would right. not burn all night. You had to get up and tend the fire and put another log on. So yet when you, when you wake up in the middle of the night, it's, it's just that, you know, <laughs> a few thousand million years of practice of throwing logs well, on fires i read somewhere not too not too long ago that that uh before electricity that there was like in the in the 1800s and you know obviously for all the time before that that uh it was not unusual for people to get up in the middle of the night and then you know uh you know so if you because more or less you would go to bed when it got dark like people didn't stay up as late as we do now, mm. uh, it was just kind of inconvenient. It was so nothing people to do, would, yeah. Yeah, people would go to bed, but then they would wake up in the middle of the night, you know. And so then, but they wouldn't just stay up f- for a few minutes. Like they, people would get up for a couple of hours in the middle of the night, and then go back and sleep again, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, I've heard that too. Well, well, see, you guys just described the first couple of years that my wife and I was married. We lived in a farmhouse, and we were trying to keep it warm with a wood-burning stove. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we were getting, you know, in winters in South Dakota can be legendary sometimes. Oh, I, I thought this was leading to other ways to keep your house warm when you were young. <laughs> well, we're, we're newly was we're not going down that path. Yeah. Um, but, no, we, you know, I would wake up in the middle of the night, and the, the fire was starting to die down. So you'd get up and you'd throw some wood in there, because otherwise you'd wake up... Uh, it would be uh, you know very nippy in the morning if you didn't do something, especially when it was like around zero or so outside. So yeah, you better make sure you throw some wood on the fire. So yeah, it, that, that whole tending the fire, keep it going thing. I mean, you don't even have to go back that far. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, nope. And, and seriously, go camping. All of that stuff just comes right back. I mean, or. That or, you know, the communal aspect, too. I mean, our uh, mom's farmhouse, uh, we had a wood-burning stove in there for years. It was first a combination stove, combination wood-burning gas burner. But then when she took that out and we remodeled, she still put a wood burner in there. And so all the kids would come home for the holidays, and we'd all have our butts, you know, around the fire there, you know, roasting our buns or whatever. Uh, but that was the congregation point, to stand around, get a little warm, have, drink some coffee, you know, bullshit with everybody. And I think that's kind of in this movie as well i mean as much as light was the defense against the creatures light was also bonding that communal thing you know it was everybody stick here around the light um and 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 that so uh it's yeah it's kind of a it's it's i think it's really ingrained in humans i don't think it's even cultural i think it's you know like you say at an even deeper level than that yeah. um, and and the um the the sci-fi movies you know tend to just kind of play off of that with the whole um fire as the last defense and fire as the uh 
the beacon of hope in the dark and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. You you realize we just psychoanalyzed fire, right? Oh, yeah, I know. That's <laughs> what we do here, you know. Yeah, again, nerds. Nerds, um, yeah. But, yeah. So, um, what kind of rifles did they have in this? They had... <clears throat> they were... Um, uh, I read somewhere that one of them was a modified shotgun, uh, buried in the trivia here somewhere. Okay, this this movie is supposed to be what was it six five hundred five hundred years? I think I read that. Yeah, yes, okay. several hundred years in the future. So this is like an alternate Star Trek timeline, um, and not a lot has changed. Um, some things have, but the weapon. There were weapons that they had for a while. They didn't seem all that... Advanced? Uh, yeah, you know, it wasn't like a plasma <laughs> gun. It wasn't Laser. even like phasers set to stun right. or whatever. I mean, they, it felt <laughs> yeah. like a shotgun, yeah. Projectiles. Yeah. Go yeah. And, you know, go with what you know, I guess. I mean, again, we're back to, you know, after, you know, or maybe somewhere, I don't know which first, but fire and then stones. I mean, projectiles. <laughs> um you know, so we're going back to our, you know, what we know best, uh, and projectile weapons. You know, all you got to know is how to throw something. I got to, you know, have provide some sort of energy to, you know, like say throw something, a spear, a rock, you know, uh, a missile, whatever. But I mean, as long as you have, you know, uh, something to project it with, you have a a weapon. And you know, on a planet, a desert planet where there's like rocks all over the place, well, you know, you got weapons there so it's interesting that if you think back about how weapons have changed over the last few hundred years um it's been reasonably significant if you think about some alternate weapons yeah i get we're still using gunpowder i get that yeah um but you know we had you got laser scopes and well, you got piercing, tasers. yeah, and whatever. Tasers so, yeah. a deviation. Tasers is a deviation, and I was about to jump into lightsabers. Um, there are other sci-fi, you know, that have made leaps of technology um, because we, you know, trying to predict the future, trying to portray the future, and this one just chose not to do that. That's okay. I think in this particular universe, that's perfectly legit um, because in this. Seeing it's uh, the weapons aren't going to save you. I mean, they, I don't care if you had a lightsaber or not. Um, c- trying to deal with a well, flock of pterodactyls. Um, yeah. Well, with these guys, a lightsaber might have been uh, preferable. Actually, Again, yeah, light. it would have been. Yeah, I suppose. Plus, you know, if you're Obi Wan, you could just take them all out. But anyway, but yeah, the, the, it was. The, 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 yeah, I got the impression that what was going on on this planet wasn't common these these you know um nasty creatures that come out at dark mm. and, and slice you up um appeared to be kind oh. of unique it's unique not, to this planet you mean well unique in these people's experience yeah they weren't prepared not, for yeah. this yeah, yeah. They it, was, it wasn't something that they'd seen before. before yeah yeah, yeah. so that but now i but now I'm starting to wonder, though. I mean, in on you know, in our real life, are there animals that come out have a feeding frenzy and then go hybridate? You were talking oh, about the yes. cicadas. Well, you're talking about the cicadas, but I mean, you know, something that goes on like a a mini killing rampage. Certainly not on this level, but well, you know, certainly anything that comes out of hibernation, the first thing they do is just eat as much right. as can of anything they can find, right? right. 
Right. And there but are I mean, all you know, kinds to, of nocturnal animals. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, something that comes out with this sort of absolute, you know, terroristic frenzy. Um, bear, I mean, they come out and eat. That's one thing. Yeah. Bears, bears uh, sucking up salmon is a, okay. an image that comes to mind, I guess. Right. So the, the that idea itself isn't unheard of. But, yeah, these people hadn't seen, you know, in, you, you have a worst case scenario here a month of darkness you know uh, animals in an absolute feeding frenzy that need the dark which makes their victims helpless um so yeah it's kind of like the, the worst of uh, all worlds i guess you'd say yeah which again 400 years into the future 500 600 whatever it was and these guys are traveling from across the galaxy or something we don't know where they're coming from or going to we honestly don't um, and the fact that their weapons, their experience hasn't run across anything like that before, um, I find that kind of encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that that was kind of the thing that was being portrayed in in the movie was that you know this was a singularly. I just want to try not to use the word horrific. Um, experience I think there's also like you know we can only speculate now because we've never found life anywhere else but like assuming that you know 500 years in the future we do you know come across uh, planets that have you know large you know animals on them I think there's a chance that because we've grown up because uh, we've evolved completely differently, uh, it'd be very likely that we wouldn't actually be able to eat each other, right? Just that you know, yes. we've evolved on Earth, so we'll be we only be able to consume things and 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 uh, metabolize things that are in the, our kind of genome or our biome right. here, right? So if we go to another planet, so it could very well be that you have these horrifically scary things. And they just have no interest in us whatsoever because they just like, oh, or, I can't eat that. So, or uh, don't care. Pulling from the Forever War, you go to another planet and you just are walking around and doing stuff and not realizing you're killing things and or yeah. you kill things and don't even realize that they could be eaten um, yeah. because you just don't even recognize them as a life form. You know, so <laughs> or all of a sudden, something that you thought was completely benign all of a sudden sees you as a threat and kills all of you at the same time. Right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah we, we don't have a lot of uh, experience with yeah. that at this point. But yeah. this is a good movie. I mean, bottom yeah. line, I, Pitch Black was, was decent. I, I get why Riddick is a thing. Um, I get why... Uh, even as they were filming it, they um, cha- were changing the story um, so that there could be sequels. Um, and I think that they, they did, they'd made the right call there. And I, and I think, um, I mean, I'd like to go see the other ones now. Yeah. We might have to add those right. to our list because, yeah, it, this was just kind of a. It, it really did feel at the end of the movie. This, if 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 things had gone the way they originally planned, and Riddick died, and everybody else got off. I don't know if I yeah. would be as interested in seeing, you know, the next show. Um, right. So, the, making and, that call did the, it. It worked. And you got to give uh, Vin Diesel credit because he didn't overplay this character. You could have, no. uh, 
you could have d- done this character badly, but I think he played it about right. Uh, the silent type that you know, let's get stuff done. Um, you know, it, but he you know, what he, he was ambiguous. His character is ambiguous, so you just didn't know quite how to feel about him. You were told he's a bad guy, but you see glimmers of that he may actually have some humanity in him there. But again, none of these got overplayed too much so you just didn't know quite how to feel about this character but you know he does have that heroic moment or two along the way so you think well okay maybe he's you know a decent person but like i say that that character could have been done uh you know imagine i don't know arnold schwarzenegger well maybe he would have done okay with it too but uh maybe stice alone um because I could just see him muttering out lines all the time or right. something but but i think um, that's what makes it intriguing enough to want to go see the sequel yeah. Um, you don't Let's... know enough about this character. It's more like, you know, really, I want to, I want to, I want to follow him longer and see if those glimmers were actually things, or just how badass is he, or how bad was he in the past that he was, you know, um, imprisoned to begin with. So, yeah, it's that whole intrigue built up around the character. I think that that makes it ripe for a sequel. Well, they kept, uh, you know, mentioning things like, you know, uh, don't let him go. You know, so it made him sound like he was, you know, a super bad person. But, yeah, it does pique your interest to find out, well, you know, is he like a superhuman or is he just like, you know, a really tough guy? Or And like I say, then I read the stuff going forward, you know, the shaman and maybe some mystical side to him. Then And that wasn't in this movie, but that was something I read later on. But. Do you know one thing? I think we mentioned it on a previous. Was it was it on Event Horizon? But once again, people back to technology. People in stasis, um, when they come out of stasis, immediately flop to the ground on some. Oh yeah. <laughs> on some yeah, crappy said, floor. Yeah, I said it was like the worst plan ever that that like every movie you see that they just fall out on the floor like couldn't you have some better way yeah. to you know, Do they not have finish seat this belts? process yeah yeah can we not have seatbelts well, on these people or at least give them like cushy like, carpet to fall e- onto even at the dentist they have that little arm with that little spit thing that <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. rotates over uh, <laughs> um well and just to tease it a little bit in one of the uh books we got coming up uh was it void beyond dreams i always get the <sighs> title of that book wrong um they actually, you know, talk about that in there. They call it normally they would try to wake people up gently, but they this was an emergency situation. So they have what they call a tank yank. And that's basically what we saw here, where you just get unceremoniously dumped on the floor. Um because we need you awake, we need you awake now. Well, and I could argue something there too. They did get unceremoniously dumped on the floor and immediately knew what was going on around them. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was. It's like no, 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 uh, no. You're going to have a long period of disorientation. I mean, wake up in the morning. It takes you, you know, <laughs> minutes to figure out what day it is. Oh, you know, Lord, so, yeah. so what month? Yeah. What year? Yeah. <laughs> Do I go to work today or don't I? I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the um, so there was there was that was a little. Uh, I don't want to quite say not believable, but a, you know that was it's kind of a um, an easy way out because it's done that been done that way so many times that you know we just expect people to be dumped out of stasis and, and just jump into action. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, that's the equivalent of, okay, surgery's done. They grab the sheet and just roll them off the gurney. I right. Mean, yeah, exactly. Good example. That's a, that's a really good exa- example, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So, well, I, how about the tech? Is there any tech in this show that you guys would want? Hmm. Solar power would be kind of interesting, but not on a planet that's, you know, black for a month every 22 years. But because uh, they had those little solar uh, things they were dragging around to power their vehicle. And as soon as the sun started going down, they all kind of went, Bruh. Yeah. Uh, but solar power would be kind of cool because I've got enough blasted op- battery operated devices around here. I could probably cut my electric bill in half by not recharging batteries all the time. I guess. I'd want the little water distillery things because um, it did, it it did, I don't know how they work. They did not go into that whatsoever. But it appeared, as you mentioned, to pull moisture out of the air, so you weren't slogging around with you know a gallon of water on your back, and you got the impression that they weren't going to use it up. There were times when it went dry. Um, because I assume there just wasn't enough relative moisture for it to work, but it, you know, the the idea of a of a last ditch water supply, even in desert, that doesn't involve you know a finite quantity and can work, you know, long term, that would be a hell of a piece of technology to have. And I'd like to see the one that's got a beer add-on so you can distill beer out of the atmosphere. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Could happen. Jeff, how about mm. you? I'll always take a spaceship. <laughs> of course. Yes. Mm. Take off, orbit around. I'd take that in a second. It was kind of an interesting one, too. It was. It felt like well, a cargo ship, but they described it as a passenger ship. You know, cargo yeah, people. Yeah, well... I was thinking of the one that they took off in, and okay. they what did they, what did they call that? It was like a short hop or something yeah, like that. They knew that they could, yeah, they couldn't get to another planet, but they knew that they could get up into the uh, what are the shipping lanes, yeah. and somebody would pick them up. So yeah, they're going to hitchhike home. So yeah, yeah I was going to say sit out in the shipping lanes with your thumb out or whatever. Yep, but, yep. So, yeah, I think I, I think I, I could, yeah, I could get on board with that. Okay, well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at scifitechtalk.com or pop into the uh, forums there and take part in the conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have ideas or comments, please send them to greetings at scifitechtalk.com. And review on I- reviews on iTunes are always welcome. Mike, where can people find you? Yeah, I can be found uh, on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and uh, I have my about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak, that's M-C-P-E-E-K. And if you want to hear more from me, you can check me out with uh, uh, Kevin Alder, Lisa Paselli, and Melissa Davis over on Geekiest Show Ever, where we talk about all sorts of things. Sometimes we stray into science fiction, sometimes we talk about computers, but it's it's any sort of geeky stuff. So if you want to check us out, that's at geekiestshowever.com. And, Jeff, where can people find you? Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at Bronco Sire. That's S-Y-E-R. And I also can be found on Twitter at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L. And links to the other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I might have going on is over at about.me slash Julie Keel. Next episode, we're going to be covering – what are we going to be covering? 
It's a book, isn't uh, it? I forgot to write it down. You uh, mean we're not doing Star Trek yet? Or is, oh, it, uh, is that what we're doing? Well, see, next on the list is Star Trek Beyond. Then we got Ark. Ah, well, next on the list then is Star Trek Beyond. So we're going to be covering the uh, uh, the movie. When was that released? 2050? Was it last year? 20, 2016. 2016. Oh, that's it, right. It's 2017 now. Yeah, 2016. Yeah, in in uh, uh, coordination with the 50th anniversary. Nice. So look, we have that to look forward to next week. But that's going to be it for this show, and we'll see you in the future. Where do you want to It's the sci-fi tech talk. Where do you want to